Welcome to Building the Future, hosted by Kevin Horick. With millions of listeners a month, Building the Future has quickly become one of the fastest rising programs with a focus on interviewing startups, entrepreneurs, investors, CEOs, and more. The radio and TV show airs in 15 markets across the globe, including Silicon Valley. For full showtimes, past episodes, or to sponsor the show, please visit buildingthefutureshow.com. Today's show is brought to you by OnPay, the new standard in payroll. You can pay employees and contractors in minutes, automate your payroll taxes and filings, as well as provide health benefits and HR in all 50 states. For more information, visit buildingthefutureshow.com slash onpay. Welcome back to the show. Today we have David Rabin. He's the co-founder of Apollo Neuroscience. David, welcome back to the show. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I'm excited to have you back on the show. I had you and your wife uh, a while ago now. I think it was in last fall back on the show, and I thought you guys are out of beta now. You guys are shipping devices. I've actually had one of the, I had a beta device. I have the new device. I really want to talk about all that stuff. But maybe before we get into Apollo, let's get to know you a little bit better and start off with where you grew up and then maybe quickly into your schooling, your background, and then I really want to spend the majority of the time on Apollo because if people want more background on yourself, they can listen to the first episode. Sounds good. Um, th- uh, thank you again for having me. I really appreciate it, especially to have you know important conversations about health and, and things that we can do to improve our lives uh, with technology and um, at times where we're under a significant amount of strain and stress maybe more so than we have been in and ever for most of us. hundred percent um, agree. And so, um, so I think, you know, it's particularly interesting time to be a psychiatrist. <laughs> <laughs> sure. um, and, my, and my background is in psychiatry and neuroscience. Um, and I specialize in, in trauma, uh, particularly what we call treatment resistant trauma and depression um, and anxiety. And these are, and substance use disorders and people who typically struggle to achieve symptom remission with, um, the standard of care. And this is becoming, a, unfortunately, in America and many first world countries, a much very large and growing population of patients every year, um, in particularly mental health. And so uh, I've always been fascinated by people who don't seem to get better and other people who seem to be extre- extraordinarily resilient and, and really overcome um, stress effectively over time. And and so, you know, I, and I really was also fascinated by consciousness and the way that we perceive reality and meaning from the world. Um, you know, why do some things seem extraordinarily meaningful to us and other things not meaningful at all? Um, or so, uh, and, and so, you know, these things kind of brought me through um, studies of aging and neuroscience and I did my graduate work at uh, Albany Medical College with uh, Dr. Sally Temple and then my um, in, and that was in aging and uh, dementia and blindness disorders in humans, uh, where we effectively created disease in a dish models to study how we could, how the aging response worked in, in the eye and the brain. Um, and we found some incredible uh, findings from that. And then I, I realized from that, and in addition to everything I learned, that I also learned that I really like to work with people uh, more than I like to work in a lab. And so I 
decided to go into uh, finish medical school, and then I went into psychiatry. And I completed my psychiatry residency at Western Psychiatric Institute and Clinic at the University of Pittsburgh, uh, where I worked with Dr. Greg Siegel, who is a world-renowned specialist in psychologist in um, cognitive neuroscience, and uh, particularly with respect to de um, depression and treatment-resistant depression. And so I worked with him for about five years, and from that research on ways to interrupt negative thinking patterns in depression came the Apollo technology, um, which stemmed from touch being one of the most powerful ways to interrupt negative thinking in depression and anxiety disorders. And when we realized that we could induce the similar things in the body, similar patterns of, of safety neurons firing from uh, tech, using technology like, like what we developed into Apollo, that was just a, such an incredible breakthrough moment for us because we realized that, you know, we'd really figured something out where we, in the body where we know how to activate um, a sense of balance, a sense of calm in the body that is similar to meditation and what you could get with deep breathing that eventually, you know, now two and a, two and a half years after that particular finding became, you know, the Apollo technology that you mentioned is currently available. So, um, yeah, so thanks for having me along this journey. No, very cool. So for people that haven't heard of Apollo, what exactly is it and what made you make the jump from it kind of being a research project into being a real thing that people can buy now? That's a, uh, that's a great question. So we, Apollo is a wearable technology um, that uh, was developed out of our research at the University of Pittsburgh on um, the sense of touch and, as I said earlier, how to interrupt negative thinking patterns um, or what we call rumination, uh, negative intrusive thoughts about ourselves, about our lives um, that happen very commonly in all of us, but very, very commonly in people with depression and anxiety and men most mental illnesses. And so um, the reason why that works, oh, I should say before I get into that, Apollo is a, uh, the wearable um, activates touch receptors in our skin, just like somebody holding your hand or um, giving you a hug on a bad day that instantly sends signals to the brain through the skin um, that the brain recognizes as safe. Because if we have time to pay attention to the feeling of somebody holding our hand or the feeling of something gently, uh, gently vibrating on our leg that kind of feels like an ocean wave uh, or a cat purring, um, when you have time to pay attention to that, the brain instantly knows that, that we have enough time, we're safe enough to have enough time to pay attention to that feeling. Because if we're running from a lion or we're in an immediate danger situation that actually threatened our survival, we would not be able to take the time to pay attention to that feeling. So the brain knows better, much, much better intuitively than we do. And all that processing happens, for the most part, without our awareness, which is really fascinating. Interesting. So we figured, yeah, and, and, so, and breath work works exactly the same way, right? Taking a deep breath intentionally tells our brains instantaneously that we are safe enough to take the time to pay attention to the feeling of the breath moving into our bodies, right? Normally, we don't have time to do that. We're so busy and distracted. And so that's effectively the feedback loop that results in the calming effect, the meditation and yoga and mindfulness and all of these incredible tools that are thousands of years old have. And so, but the problem is that those tools, as incredible as they are and as free as they are uh, to all of us, are... Uh, take a lot of practice and discipline to learn, sometimes tens of thousands of hours. And so 
we created Apollo for originally for our patients, but we realized it has incredible benefit for everyone. Um, we use it all the time personally. Uh, and um, it basically, we created it to give people the effect, the benefits of meditation and mindfulness by stimulating the body's touch receptors to help um, with these gentle layered vibrations that just help calm the body. And when you calm the body and help remind the body that it's safe, all of a sudden it gives you pause as if you were take, you had taken a deep breath and it gives you an opportunity to sort of reconsider the situation you're in from a standpoint of safety rather than threat and fear. Interesting. So just for people, so it's clear, you, you can wear Apollo like on your wrist or you mentioned on your leg and it sends different vibrations, but the vibrations are different based on what you're trying to do, like focus or sleep or calm down or do you want to talk about how that works and, and the science behind the different vibrations and how that works? Yeah, absolutely. So that's one of the most fun parts because um, all of us, um, all of us on the founding research team originally were um, musicians and, mm. or, or music was a big part of our lives. And what's really fascinating is that this was all figured out originally through music and the way that music affects the body. And it started with Pythagoras in like 2000 BC or something like that, just, you know, coming up with in the circle of fifths by looking at the stars. Um, and then, progress all the way through modern day where we're sending frequencies of sound to people and measuring their brain patterns on EEG and fMRI. And we're seeing that um, different tempos and different rhythms make the body feel more awake and energized and different volumes, right? When you listen to loud, fast music, it typically makes you more energized. And we use that when we work out and dance and stuff. And when we're listening, want to calm down and sleep and meditate, we listen to much calmer, soothing, slow music. And so that's just known intuitively, and there's also a lot of science behind it now. So um, looking at that, we extrapolated patterns from that, and that helped us to create different frequency patterns that are basically the most common seven things that, seven goals that we all have in our lives that most of our testers told us they wanted. So it starts with awake, uh, ener sorry, energy and wake up, um, and then clear, which is the most ener energizing. And people use that in the morning instead of coffee uh, or if they're on long drives um, and are falling asleep, uh, it can be very helpful. And then the next one, um, and then they de decrease in terms of energy from high to low, energizing being the most, um, the, the, the highest, and then going to social and open, which kind of feels um, just like a very uh, clear, calm, wakeful um, fre frequency that makes you kind of feel like you are um, sort of, you know, able to uh, not be self-conscious and kind of be open to other things around you and connected with other people. So more attention outside of you than inside. Um, it's kind of, it's interesting to describe because um, it's, uh, it, it, you know, when people haven't felt it, there are, you know, you can, you, you, we've all, it's a very familiar feeling when you feel it. Um, it's like having a really good day or having, a, you know, having a glass of wine, you're, except you're, you don't have, you don't need the glass of wine because you're using the wearable to do the same thing. And then that helps you learn how to do it more effectively on your own over time. Um, so it basically, and then down from there, it's a social clear and focused, which is for like um, extended work periods and um, kind of like an amphetamine or a stimulant, um, but more gentle and you can turn it on and off whenever you want. Um, and, uh, and then uh, recover, rebuild and recover is for post-workout. 
um, or post intense stress of any kind, uh, and then uh, meditation and mindfulness, and then uh, which is obvious, uh, relax and recharge is deep relaxation, and then sleep and renew. And so you can basically choose from each of these and set a timer and an intensity, and it will take you through for you know anywhere from five to five minutes to two hours. Um, and the effects last for about 30 minutes to two hours after each use. Interesting. Yeah, like, I, because you guys shipped me a, a beta unit, and I was playing with it, and the interesting thing for me is, like, I usually, like, I've always kind of slept like garbage, especially the last number of years, and the one thing I really noticed was, like, it really helped me sleep better, right? And I, I oh, know, great. like, a ton of people obviously struggle with all the other things. And I'm not saying the other things didn't work for me, but I think for me personally, the biggest benefit that I found uh, using Apollo was like just sleeping better, right? And I think, in, yeah. and you can correct me if I'm wrong, and I don't, there's no science based around the, my comment I'm about to make, but I always find like if I sleep better, then I'm usually calmer, I'm more focused, like all the other stuff that you guys are building into Apollo for me, just sleeping better. I get a lot of that extra benefit. Is that, is there, is there anything to that? Is it backed by science? Is that just me or what are your thoughts around that? I mean, you're, I think you're right on with that. Sleep is, is known to be, especially in with the science that's come out in most recent years is sleep is the most important part of the recovery process for us. Okay. So it's the part, it's the part of our recovery process where our, Resting heart rate, our heart rate comes down to its lowest point. The body goes into the deepest level of hibernation, you know, sort of like sort of dormancy or, or um, you know, it's, it's sort of recovery. It's a recovery state, a rejuvenating state that over time, the more restful, good quality sleep you get, the more you, the better you feel in general, as you said, but also you can measure it. And we see that the better sleep you get, usually the better heart rate variability you have as well. Right. Okay. So I'm curious to dive a little bit deeper into the device because you guys, I've mentioned a few times, is you guys had a beta unit. Walk us through the journey of actually creating a hardware device that Bluetooth to a smartphone and, and then actually getting that to a version where you're shipping a real hardware software product, which is really, really hard to do. <laughs> as you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it was a long it was a long journey um i couldn't have, you know i could never have done it alone of course it was uh started from the beginning with uh my wife Catherine, who uh, was on the last show and um and Catherine has you know really led the charge on the fundraising and the business and uh front and the strategy of this whole operation and the execution of all of the, a lot of the ideas that we come up with together and also, you know, even starting out originally helping us really execute on the ideas that we had in the lab um, and helping us raise funding on that to run our original research studies. And I should say to answer your, one of your previous questions, when our first research study, um, big research study came back in 2017, which was a double-blind randomized placebo-controlled crossover study, which is one of the most rigorous forms of a clinical trial um, to do, we found that Without a doubt, only the Apollo frequencies, which when people had no idea what frequencies they were getting, only the Apollo frequencies reliably improved performance under stress, cognitive performance, and heart rate variability within three minutes. And this under a very, very stressful task um, that only the very few things improved performance on. 
So this was really fascinating, and that was the turning point that from that study, which Catherine helped us raise money for in 2016, 2017, that study um, was a turning point for us and said, hey, this is actually worth our time. You don't get results like this every day. This is incredible. Um, and so we uh, ended up using some of the funds that we raised from the University of Pittsburgh um, and from these innovation competitions to um, basically fund early commercialization, commercialization um, and then fund a whole bunch of uh, prototypes. Um, and really, prototyping was incredibly important for us because we're making something. And, you know, a lot of people come up with great ideas right. um, that have never been done before. And I think my best advice is that, that I can give you is that anything can be done. If you just have to figure out how to effectively use resources to do it, which usually requires bringing on people or meet connecting with people in any way who are older or, you know, more di have diverse expertise that you do not have. Um, and you may not have any idea who these people are, but you just have to keep asking and trying to meet as many people as you can who may have any idea how the heck you're going to do this because they've done it before. Somebody has always done this, done it before you, you know, right. especially for, for nowadays, part, right? Very few things. That, yeah. Right. That's what I mean. Yeah. I mean, we're in a time that's so incredible where there's, there's so many people who have done so many things that it's really hard to find somebody who hasn't done it before you. So, um, you know, and sometimes there's lots of people. So in this case, you know, we really just try to surround ourselves with those people. Um, and so those, and, and the advice from those people helped Catherine and I to, um, to basically, uh, prototype and then send these out to a whole bunch of people and run and run more trials and see what happens. Um, and we got, kept getting consistent results, which was extraordinarily promising and also rare <laughs> for <laughs> sure. uh, research in general. And then we, um, and then while I finished my clinical training, because which was quite demanding because I was in residency at the time, I finished my clinical training, my research, and then um, Catherine ended up starting the company. And so she and and using the data that we came that we got out of our studies at the university, um, she was able to raise money to hire me and then hire a staff of nine other people um, that are mostly in Pittsburgh that. Uh, have brought basically, you know, ended up doing running every, almost everything in house. We had some consultants uh, on the side for product design and um, and for you know some other software things along the way and hardware things along the way. But in general, we really, you know, I think one of the strategies is we brought industry leaders onto our team that were just, you know, we they experienced Apollo, they loved it, they thought it was something that really you know, they could get behind it was consistent with their values and we were consistent with people that they would want to work with. Um, and so we brought people on who are, you know, 30 years older than us or more senior to us in some cases um, and, or, you know, 20 or 30 years experience more than we had. Um, and they really helped us scale everything and plan everything and account for, you know, all the potholes that you can hit along the way. And when we, when those, when those people didn't know the answers to questions that, that we had, we would find other people, um, who could answer those questions. And it was just about, you know, just keep at, and we still make mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. Sure. Um, and there are, and so it's about, you know, you know, being non-judgmental about those mistakes and just understanding that they're going to happen and there are opportunities for growth um, as we are in now uh, with, you know, COVID and the pandemic, a very significant opportunity for growth for us as a, as a community and as a, a culture. And, um, and so I think it'll be, it'll, you know, so, so basically for us, we launched 
um, into uh, January, February of this year. And then we sold out within two weeks. Um, Congrats on with, that. That's with, huge. Uh, thank you. Um, and we had a great, it was a great launch. And, and so now we are um, still taking orders for the next batch that are coming and the orders are, are coming in steadily. And we are excited to make more and to bring more of these to the world. Um, so that's kind of, and now I think the, the challenge is adapting to what's coming, right? And that people are really looking for, um, you know, different ways to, to heal and recover um, from what they're experiencing right now and to cope with the stress of what's going on right now. Um, and so, you know, we're in a process of trying to understand that and, and also, you know, help, me, help, help people you know, when they're really struggling from a lot of, a lot of stress. Uh, that we're all facing. Sure. Well, and and you can correct me if I'm wrong. I was reading online, and that's why I said you can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I've I've read <laughs> that obviously drug use and alcohol abuse ha- has gone up quite a bit since uh, COVID nineteen, and some people are actually overdosing because they just can't handle it. Is is that like fair to say? And so with what the point I'm trying to get at is. Instead of going to a substance, you can basically use other methods that don't make you overdose. Like, I, you can't overdose using your Apollo. Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, and that's really the goal, I think, for, for us is to be able to provide an alternative um, that, that feels good. And it doesn't have any side effects and it's easy to use and you can turn it on anytime you want to get that benefit by just pressing button, two buttons on your ankle or your wrist. Um, and that, you know, whenever you, when you feel uneasy, restless, um, or craving, for instance, you know, in some right. cases, uh, you know, I think we use, we oftentimes forget that because we were surrounded by alcohol and drugs as part of our culture for so long and in, in movies and you know, music videos and in songs themselves and so many parts of our culture are, are alcohol, tobacco and, and, and drugs. And, you know, that's all well and good and marketing and whatever you want to think about that is your, your call. But the point is that it's influenced our consciousness and the way that we cope with stress sure. and the way that we um, deal with discomfort in general. Um, this idea that you can like escape from or numb yourself to discomfort is an idea that is not actually consistent with reality in any way, because there is no escape from discomfort. There's only more discomfort if you run from your discomfort. Sure. So the, so ultimately it's that truth that has to sort of work its way into the public narrative and education. Um, when we teach people about how to cope with trauma on their own is that substances are not really, um, uh, 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 you know, substance use regularly or abuse. Is, is not a viable outlet for that. Um, and it actually increases your risk of dying if you get sick. And it increases your risk of getting sick. So in the cases, uh, particularly with alcohol, you know, alcohol we think is benign, but drinking alcohol increases your risk of, of getting infections like COVID. And if you could rather, you could use something like Apollo or meditate or deep breathe or do yoga. And all of those things will increase your heart rate variability and increase your likelihood of not getting sick and of recovering if you are sick. Interesting. No, I, I think it's it's actually quite fascinating, right? Because I think more and more people nowadays, and partly just because I think it's so much more readily available, are, are trying to use 
other things outside of these coping mechanisms, which really just mask the problem, right? Like if you just get drunk every night, you're not really fixing the problem. You're just, you're just masking the problem. Right. Yeah. Interesting. So I'm curious to dive a little bit deeper into the actual device that you guys launched, because it's interesting. I want, I don't know how, how do you explain it to the listener? Because we, we've kind of covered that it vibrates, it can go on your wrist or your ankle, but how else do you describe how to wear the device and, and what it, how it works? So the device has, is a, it's, a, it's a little pod with a metal clip on top that has two buttons. Um, the buttons allow the device to be used without the phone around. So you can set the, de- the whole point of the wearable is to be, you know, independent of the phone. Um, as much as possible. So you can set it to whatever setting and whatever intensity you want and program on your phone. And then you can activate that program by pressing the two buttons at the same time, one time, or um, pause it by doing the same thing. And then you can also increase or decrease intensity on the device on the device itself. Um, and then the, there's a fabric strap that wraps the device around the body. So people usually wear it on the wrist or the ankle. Um, my personal favorite is the ankle. Um, but you can also wear it on the arm. And we have people putting it on all, you know, it works on any part of the body. So you can actually wear it on other parts of the body as well. Or um, we have people putting it in their clothing and um, doing lots of interesting things with it um, because they like it in different places. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of how the technology is used, um, sort of from a high, a high view. But I think what's more interesting is that people, um, people use it to in, – to, you know, increase basically, I would say the most common use is their sense of agency or autonomy, like self-control, self-awareness, um, which also comes with it a sense of very potent calm and, okay. and sort of safety. And what that does is it increases and without, and I don't think people necessarily, the interesting thing is I don't think most people realize that that's exactly what it is they feel because they just feel a little clearer and calmer. Um, and what it does when you're doing anything stressful and what most people use it for more intentionally is they say it helps put them into flow. So most people think of like flow or coherence or peak performance, peak recovery states, this, this nerve neural state where our bodies are working at their most peak highest level. You're just in the zone with whatever you're doing. We have so many terms for it in our, in our vernacular and that feeling flow in the zone, being in the zone is what meditating all the time or being constantly present is about. And that's a feeling that, you know, monks and master meditators strive for um, all the time. And, and that's what the practice of meditation is to train us to be able to access that feeling at any time. Um, and so not just when we sit and meditate, but actually any time in, in our lives to be maximally optimally present in the peak flow um, and so that's sort of what people describe Apollo doing for them that they like the most. Interesting. And you, in you addition would... to sleep, I would say that and sleep. Yeah. <laughs> okay. No, fair enough. Um, we talked a little bit about the app, but do you want to talk a little bit deeper about that and, and what you can do in the app? Sure. So in the app, there's, um, I, we talked about the seven settings, um, that you can use sort of throughout your day. Um, and 
so you can you can change the the timing and the intensity of those settings, um, and then you can also favorite the time the what your favorite uh, mode is, um, and with the intensity and the timing, um, and then we will also we also track your usage and over time there'll be new software updates as we learn about each user um, and we'll be able to start to provide you with custom programs and metrics and things that start to really enhance the experience so my favorite that's coming out in the next three to six months is scheduling um, and the neat part about scheduling is you'll be able to set when you want the frequencies to play throughout the day for how long and then you can um, and then that will be on the device and you don't need your phone around um, to set it and it will just turn on when it needs to turn on to the day and it'll help regulate your sleep and wake cycles without you having to go back to your phone because the blue light itself from the phone is one of the most stimulating things that disrupts melatonin release. So if you can avoid screens in that way, it just helps you know, improve your sleep and wake cycles, which increases the, um, you know, your sleep and recovery that much more. So it's really about optimizing your entire experience, not just Apollo is one tool in, the, in that experience, you know, managing your circadian rhythms and your calendar is another tool. Uh, Apollo can help a little bit with that. And so, you know, the scheduling is, is going to be very exciting, and I'm really looking forward to that. Um, and then another one is data visualization, which will be the, one of the next features after scheduling, um, probably in the 6- to 12-month period, where we'll pull in data from other wearables like the Aura Ring, um, and you can view your Aura Ring data in the app and see, hey, as I use Apollo, my heart rate variability is going up. As I use Apollo, my sleep is getting better. Um, and you'll be able to track those metrics in the app, which will be really neat. Interesting. No, that's really cool. And, and so how can people actually order one, and what's the cost? So Apollo costs 349 okay. um, and it's on our website, com. Um, or ApolloNeuroscience.com. That's A-P-O-L-L-O-N-E-U-R-O.com. And you can order them now, and we highly recommend it because uh, they have been selling out quickly. So um, if you reserve yours now, we'll be shipping them, assuming that there's no further significant major COVID issues with manufacturing, we'll be shipping the next batch out in uh, May. Oh, very cool. So... I'm curious then to touch on that a little bit. Obviously, you guys are affected um, personally and professionally because if you can't get certain pieces to manufacture, because you guys manufacture in the U.S., correct? Yeah, we do. I would say the, you know, like probably like 80 to 90% of our processes, manufacturing processes done in the U.S. and the final assembly and all of our software and hardware assembly and is all done in the U.S., um, However, there are a couple parts that you just can't get from anywhere else. Um, and a couple of those came from China. So, of course, right. there are delays on those parts. Right. Okay. And so... And now, and, and then okay. based on the timing, now there's delays. Uh, based on the timing, then, there, then there's delays in, in the states because now the states have it worse than China. So now China's turning their manufacturing back on, but now the states are slowed down. And the states are managing the crisis in a lot of ways not as well as, as China did. Um, in terms of containment. So we'll see how, you know, how things go. I think it's unpredictable at this point for a lot of people. Sure. Well, and uh, like, I I guess like just for you guys in manufacturing or assembling this stuff in America, like you're probably, like people are probably doing this at home then, or or how does that kind of work? 
um, people doing doing what at home the assembling. Yeah. Uh, no, we have we have a we have a contract manufacturer in um, uh, okay. in Pittsburgh, and so they are an FDA approved facility, and our you know Apollo's built to FDA regulatory requirements and HIPAA compliance, and um, to be used by health population. So um, we do it all at a FDA approved certified facility in outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, um, which is near where our whole staff is. Most of our staff is based. So it's really helpful for us, for us as a young startup, when we're building a new technology to be able to go, you know, you could just drive over to the facility um, and, you know, we couldn't do that without John and Doug and, and, and our, you know, our whole team that is, is a hardware team and that's working on all that. No, very cool. So, do you guys just ship uh, in in North America, or, or where do you guys ship? Uh, so we ship within North America, Europe, um, and the UK, and uh, I think that's it right now. Um, that's actually quite complicated. Uh, that I realized, uh, and we all realized, I think, after we started doing it, that not all um, not all shippers necessarily know how to do the best job of shipping internationally. And so, you know, there's always a little bit of troubleshooting there. And, um, and it's, you know, now we're, you know, we're excited to have a lot of international customers, which is really great. And we've been getting a lot of support, particularly in the UK and Europe. Um, and so um, there's also been a lot of people in Australia who've been very interested in this technology. So we're working on um, supplying to Australia um, but that's and that's coming up uh, in the next next several months. Okay, and then what's the battery life uh, on average on the device? Uh, so the battery life will last you all day okay. um, if you use it in bur- in bursts, which is what we recommend. You know, so bursts would be like using it for anywhere between fifteen minutes and an hour, or five five minutes and an hour of use every couple every couple hours. And that is enough. That will get you through all day. Um, and we, and also, I think most people think that um, you know you want to turn the int- you want to use it at max intensity right away. Um, but you wouldn't listen to music at you would, when you turn up the stereo all the way to listen to music. Right when you start listening to music, you would turn it start it low and gradually turn it up because um, it's jarring to the body and the vibrations work the same way. Um, and to answer your question earlier about how I would describe it to somebody who has no idea what anything else we're talking about, I think Apollo is really most like um, music that I compose in the lab like based on the neuroscience of how the body works um, that's composed for the touch receptors of your skin rather than for the uh, sound receptors of your ears. And that's really all that, that's really what Apollo is. Well, because isn't that how like Beethoven basically wrote is like, because he was deaf, he, he basically had to go by the vibrations, right? Is that kind of a similar thing yeah that's really cool actually that you can and you yeah you can develop you know greater senses of experience when we lose you know our regular common senses sure so you you guys or the device also supports uh airplane mode so do you want to talk a little bit about that so like basically i can use that on a plane is what you're saying right um, so you can use it on a plane with or without airplane mode being on. Okay. Um, th- so the reason why it has airplane mode, um, and what airplane mode means is that it, it disconnects the device from everything else around it. 
Ah, okay. So the device, so and so it, the device no longer sends out any signals of any kind other than sound waves to your body. Um, so the reason that's important is because there's been a lot of research coming out that shows that you know EMF um, that is um, electromagnetic frequencies of, that are sent out by Bluetooth devices and cell phones and um, things that um, emit a, a certain particular frequency, like even like 5G is amongst that frequency range, um, can affect our bodies in somewhat unpleasant ways. Not for all of us necessarily do we notice it. No, not everyone notices it, but there are some people. And what's interesting is people who have traumatic brain injury and, and post-traumatic stress disorder, um, I've personally noticed in my own patient population have a much greater likelihood of being sensitive to like uh, EMF from devices. And it just, you know, it just makes them feel uncomfortable and unpleasant. And so a lot of devices like the Aura Ring and like um, Apollo, you know, have now adopted airplane mode to turn off um, unnecessary signals that don't need to be sent um, when you're traveling or doing something like that. The downside is when you're in airplane mode, you can't change settings. Right. Um, so you have to plug the device back in to re-enable uh, regular non-airplane mode so that the device can connect back to the phone and then you can change settings and update your data and that kind of thing. Right. Well, so it's more about accessibility in the sense that people that it does affect have the ability to still use Apollo, and, right? Is that fair to say? Like, I guess right. more complicated than that, but. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's really trying to make Apollo more available and available to as many people as possible. And, you know, these, a lot of these people, we developed in originally Apollo technology, the science behind it, we developed in the lab at the University of Pittsburgh for people with PTSD and trauma. Originally, that was the, the purpose. So if we didn't design it for those people to be able to use, then, you know, we're not really staying true to our, our mission. Interesting. So I'm curious, what advice do you give people that are looking to do a hardware software startup, whether it's based on science or in the healthcare space or, or not? Well, I would make sure that you really, really, truly believe in what you're doing first. <laughs> sure. And that you really, you're, you know, you really have like conviction that this is what you want to devote every minute of your life to for the next five to 10 years, which I think is a pretty big decision for a lot of people. And they don't really take the time to think through that. Sure. Um, and you know, I think once you've made that decision for yourself, then it, it sort of sets a foundation of confidence in you that you are going to do something, right? Like you've set it as your mission that you're going to go do something and that you be truly believe that this thing is it and, you know, it's going to work. And ideally, you have the evidence to do that, right? right. You have the evidence to back that up. Um, and I think that was really important for us. You know, we, are, we, are, we, we have other jobs that we could do and get paid right. more than we're getting paid right now to run this company. But we're doing, we're running the company, we're staffing, and we're working on as hard as we ever worked in our lives for, uh, you know, putting off other things that we could be doing in our lives because we really believe in this technology and what it could do for the world and how it could help people because we've seen it and we have the evidence to back it up from our clinical trials and from all the work that we did before building up to the point that we started the company. And so for us, you know, I think, you know, and a lot of other people have other op opportunities other than just to start a business. So, you know, if you don't have the evidence 
um, whether that's market research or whether that's scientific research or both or whatever other research you need to do, if you don't have an evidence, you know, that, that this is something you can really put your everything you've got behind, then you probably should hold off um, until you have that evidence. Um, but once you have that evidence, then you can really like turn it on and then people will come to you that are the people. And if, when you start asking in the community, people will come to you and they will, um, and they will want to work with you. Um, and that's when you can start to build a team. Um, you start asking around the community, you know, Hey, I need somebody who does this. I need somebody who does that. Um, I need advice uh, on how to fundraise, you know, and just start asking people and going to try to, you know, it's really just built, you know, going out and connecting with people and trying to tap into these collective centers of knowledge right. um, about how to do something new. You know, I think the thing that's about starting a business that's really interesting is it's always uncertain and there's never one right way right. to do it, everything, right? Like there's so many different ways to do it and there's so much uncertainty no matter how you do it. Like there's no one way where you're like, if I just do it this way, everything's great. Like it's just it's not how it works. Yeah. You know, there's always consequences for every action and there's always um, unpredictable things around every corner. Um, and so it's just really, you know, preparing oneself to adapt to a life that has that as sort of the, the basis and then getting ready to just roll with it, you know, and not get too attached to anything and, um, and know that, you know, this is going to be a, going to be a wild ride, but you know, I'm invested in the outcome. And then when you start to find the people around you that are also invested in the outcome, uh, as much as you are or a similar amount as you are, um, then you start to see this incredible thing start to grow around you and, everybody just gets really energized and excited and, um, and that energy collectively fuels, you know, the development of the, whatever it is you're making. Um, but again, I think really focusing on like team is so critical. Like we could not do this without the, without each other, Catherine and I, without the 10 people who have been the core part of our team and without all of our friends and family and the network of people that we've created of all over the country and the world now, you know, over the last like five years, like we just couldn't have done it without any of those, of those people. So it's really important to, you know, to build a team of people that can support you and what you're doing. No, I, I think that's really good advice, but we're kind of coming to the end of the show. So how about we close with mentioning where people can get more information about you guys and any other links you want to mention? Sure. So um, you can find out about me. I actually still clinical medicine and um, and uh, psychedelic medicine. You can uh, with uh, ketamine therapy, which is now one of the leading treatments for treatment resistant depression, um, and is used off label for many other treatment resistant mental illnesses. And it's very exciting now because we have an opportunity to provide this treatment to people from the comfort of their home. Um, so uh, you can find out more about that and other breakthrough treatments that we're working on at uh, drdave.io. Um, you can find out more about Apollo, again, at apolloneuro.com. Um, and then I, my socials, if you want to connect with me personally, are at Dave Raven on Twitter and at Dr. David Raven on Instagram. Perfect, David. Well, again, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to be on the show, and I look forward to keeping in touch with you, and uh, have a good rest of your day, man. Likewise. You too. Thanks again. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Please visit our website at buildingthefutureshow.com to join the free community. 
sign up for our newsletter, or to sponsor the show. The music is done by Electric Mantra. You can check him out at electricmantra.com and keep building the future.